Welcome to the Uncover Pod, the podcast where we delve into the world of legal risk and compliance. I'm your host, Daniel Chatfield, and each week we will be speaking with industry-leading experts, thought leaders, and successful professionals who have made their mark on the industry. We'll explore the latest trends, share best practices, and offer insights and advice that will help you navigate your career path with confidence and clarity. Uncover is a specialist legal risk and compliance recruiter, and whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out in your career, the Uncover Pod is the podcast for you. So sit back, relax, and let's uncover your potential together. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the 12th edition of the Uncover Industry Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Chatfield, the director and founder of Uncover. We're a specialist legal risk and compliance recruitment business that focuses in placing risk and compliance professionals into law firms across the UK. And um, today we're joined by another fantastic guest joining us from Foot Anstey. It's Matthew Sturgeon. Matt, hello. How are you? Dan, I'm good. Uh, and thank you very much um, to be here. I'm equally delighted to to be able to help out and talk to you now. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, good to have you. And again, apologies for, for pushing back. I suppose, uh, as I said, I thought COVID had, had passed us by, but but took me down last week. So good to finally have this in the in the diary. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, one more, one more risk we have to deal with. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Matt, would we, to start, would you like to just give a, a, a quick introduction to yourself in your current position at the moment? Sure, no problem at all. Um, I'm the General Risk Counsel at Foot Anstey. Um, I'm its CULP, MLRO, MLCO, Anti-Bribery Officer, Insurance Distribution Officer. So it's um, it's quite a big business card and a big job role. Um but uh, if, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, I really do mean it that I'm I'm here to help the firm sort of do its best work uh, properly and safely, um, and that keeps me occupied um, most parts of the day. And uh, professional risk management is the bulk of what I do. Strategic mm-hmm. um, risk management I'm uh, also involved with as well. I and mean, obviously, our board is is ultimately responsible for strategy and management of its risk, but me monitoring. Uh, and pointing out issues so far as I can help um, decisions be made um, is very much part of my role. Wonderful. Thank you, Matt. Certainly, it sounds like you have a, a lot of hats, um, so no doubt a, a very busy man. Um, Matt, I suppose, generally speaking, I mean, the, the, the risk and compliance world, it continues to develop, continues to evolve. I suppose in your experience, how has the regulatory landscape evolved in recent years and what impact has it had on both law firms and compliance professionals? I was good. It's a good question to take it um, in part there. I mean, how's, how's the landscape evolved? The big word, and it is a big word I would use, is more. There is simply <laughs> more uh, of everything. Um, there isn't, in my sense of it, too much that is new. The basic principles apply. Uh, and the basic expectations apply. Um, and I've been doing this 13 years and in practice for, for over 20. Um, not much feels that new, but there is just, uh, as, as I've said, a higher expectation and more to deal with. Um, if you take AML, for example, um, sanctions, UBOs playing a bigger part and uh, the change that came about with Russia and the Ukraine, those issues and sanctions issues have always been there, but they're amplified now. Um, the extraterritorial, if you like, impact of the SRA's rules um, and the sort of the gnarly chestnut question, you know, what if I'm speeding? Um, that's nothing to do with my practice. Can the SRA wade in there? Well, we see a lot more of the SRA's extraterritorial effect. We see it on well-being, compliance, 
Um, it's amplified role in diversity and not quite fitness to practice, but we see on um, traumatic harassment, bullying, um, and an appropriate supervision structure. We, we just see more. And I think I found that the tentacles of risk have grown. So when I started out in risk management, um, neither I nor my team were involved at all, for example, in procurement. Um, and in fact, you know, back then the, there wasn't a procurement team to speak. Now it's a very big part of what we do in supply chain management. Um, mm. So that's that's part one of the, yeah. of the three parts. Um, <laughs> what's the impact that it's, it's had on law firms? Um, you see it's a manning point in one respect. Um, and there's some cultural or, or practical shift as well that's needed. Because there's more, you need more people to deal with it. But um, the time of there being one partner who was in practice for part of his day or her day and then dealing with some claims and complaints, notifications or some money laundering issues, you now have whole teams. Um, and that is not a novelty. It's an expectation. It's a hygiene factor. So there is that manning aspect. And then practically, just what you have to do in practice day to day and think about these issues. And particularly if you're managing a practice, a lot of the issues that, that come across my desk are the issues that come across the leaders in our business. Uh, <clears throat> and there's no escaping them. You know, and we want to do our best. We want to do the right thing. Um, it's just a few more things to think about and more deeply than there were before. Um, and for compliance professionals, um, well, I've, I've already mentioned the change, you know, procurement is there. Uh, um, different firms do it in different ways. Some uh, have in the risk team ESG. Um, we don't have that quite the same way here, but it's very much an issue that we deal with. Um, the, the depth and approach to risk management and the management reporting that gets generated is much more sophisticated than where it was before. Um, those are big changes, and therefore uh, the compliance professionals have to be engaging with that. And I, you know, I'd, I'd say it broader than just compliance professionals. Compliance for me is a subset of risk management, but there's there's wider risk to be thought about. Um, <clears throat> you remember back in the day of um, general partnerships, no limiting of liability at all, um, and very much changed now. And of course, people need to oversee that. And what's the appropriate limitation cap? You know, that's there is a, a big role for a risk management compliance professional now. Um, and that's because there is more that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Matt. I, I really like the, 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 this concept of, of, of more that you're using because I think certainly from my perspective, having worked in the space for probably about nine years now, I think just in terms of the, the types of roles, the scopes of responsibility that teams are picking up and how they're having to get to grips with, um, it has, it, it, it's developed and it continues to develop. But I suppose that, that, that leads us quite nicely into so my next question, I suppose, with all these new regulations coming out, um, you've got the one side of the business who's just looking to concentrate on fee earning and satisfying clients, um, but then you've got the the risk team. And I suppose, what are the common challenges that organizations face in adapting new regulations and, and how can compliance teams address them effectively? Um, there's, there's two things that come from what you've said. Um, to directly answer your question, um, it doesn't feel to me that there's there's anything new, and, and as you say, it is it is a common challenge. But winning hearts and minds, busy people finding the time to do that, finding the time to explain what it is that they need to do, um, and why it is that they need to do it, um, and you know, in in an appropriately um, 
a firm with an appropriate culture, you're not going to get um, as if it's the risk team's fault or they generated the rules. But what you are going to get is, you know, we'd rather we didn't have to comply. And I'd say, I agree. I'd rather you didn't have to be doing this as well. But given that we do, and in a very grown-up way, we accept that. Well, actually, then the question is, is how? How do I do that? How does this work? How can it be simplified and streamlined? And there's some thought there about process. There's some thought there about automation and you know whatever tech is available. How can we make this as simple as possible for the business so that we very much keep our noses clean, so that we do the right thing and also um, keep running our business because we don't want to wrap ourselves up in cotton wool. Um, and I think there was a second thing in, in terms of what you said in in the question of about busy people. And I think what what needs to be seen really is that, as I see it, um, if you look at it, you've got a coin, um, and it's about profit and the success of a business. On one side is performance management and that fear earning side, but another side of it is is the saving the money and keeping things safe and avoiding spend, um, and that is is a large chunk of what a risk management professional can do. I mean, on the strategic side, you can look at opportunity as well. You can help with that. But the two go hand in hand. And the reason I wanted to make the point was because um, it shouldn't be seen that risk management exists as a silo. It's part and parcel of a business. And and going back to the first question about the change in regulatory Mm -hmm. landscape, increasingly see that risk management does walk hand in hand with a business. It, It isn't just compliance it isn't just the sra's rules actually and particularly on the strategic side there's a greater role there to help with decisions and to keep them on the right side of the line and avoid loss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay fantastic now i really like that analogy in terms of bal- bal- balancing the two interests because i suppose the one's often a bit more understated in terms of uh, preserving the, the the money and the interest versus just the, the commercial aspect of continually advancing and gaining. Um, in terms of back to your sort of idea of more, 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 I think your teams are growing considerably. I know you and your your team over at Footansty has also continued to grow over the years. Um, and I, a lot of candidates do find this interesting because I think there's there's no one size fits all. And I think different approaches to, to management certainly work well in different environments. But I think um, depending on the environment, they work with different differing measures of success. Um, from your perspective, what, what are your strategies that that apologies? What is your approach to team management, and how do you ensure that everybody is working towards the the same goal? Um, I've been very lucky with my team um, in that um, to get to get people sort of focused and pointing in the right direction hasn't been a challenge. Ah, you, you must is, be one of the the first. Bit. You must be one of the lucky ones. Well, <laughs> I I in no way comment in that regard. I think all the people <laughs> I see are all equally equally committed to what mm-hmm. they're doing. And he said very tactfully. Um, but I I do think though that you're dealing with uh, a high pressure environment, um, and you, it's an environment where. Answers need to be given quickly, and sometimes the questions are like exam questions. So day-to-day, operationally, there is some pressure there. And added to that, you're in growing organizations, taking on sometimes new types of work with new challenges themselves, and you've got to have that holistic approach as well. So look, that's that's risk. That's day-to-day risk for all of us um, in this profession. 
Um, so then how do you manage the team? Well, you, you help them with the, with the pressure. You, you do what you tell everyone else to do and you supervise properly. And that's not supervision as a sort of file review, but then it's widest context. You're thinking about quality, you're thinking about performance as well as compliance. You're keeping the show on the road. Um, you're providing motivation an opportunity to grow. You're keeping people informed, giving them objectives, involving them in developing the objectives, and then in planning a strategy to meet the objectives. There's nothing particularly um, groundbreaking in that. There's nothing particularly risk management in that. Um, it's preserve of all good team management in, in my view. But you know, there's going to be times. We found it particularly over the pandemic with furlough and the like. It, it's it is quite hard to move on risk management. You're keeping the firm safe. You're doing the big stuff, which is you know, practicing big renewal, um, PI renewal, Lexel audit. Should you have Lexel, for example, and then the lowest of what I call the help desk of all queries, AML, um, broader financial crime, client care queries. Um, Claims and complaints management, you know, absolutely critical that we get that right. Conflict responses, you know, you're doing that. You're not able to move move the firm on as much. There isn't time, there isn't the resource, and you're dealing with people who are, you know, who want to give of their best, um, and it's quite hard to do it. And 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 a real challenge is that, um, and this is writ wider for professional support. Is sometimes there's nowhere else for this to go, um, and you can't say I, you know, I'm not going to bother with that report to the National Crime Agency, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll send it on. It, it, it has to be done. Uh, and you've got to do it to meet timescales and client timescales. So, you know, you're keeping people aligned, managing the pressure, um, and giving them a, a sense of place and a sense of direction. That, that to me, is uh, is team management, and, and that's the approach I've, I've taken. Um, I'm glad my team aren't here, because they have very different views. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like the way you I like the way you put that because I think um, I, I mean I, I sit here day in day out speaking to I don't know 50, 100 candidates a week and I think often a, a thing that gets lost is that all those things that you've said are, are quite simplistic in terms of um, leading from the front, getting people involved. Whereas often that can get lost because I think with the pressures of day to day work, it, it can run the risk of becoming fairly monotonous if you just kind of eyes down and not looking at the broader picture. Um, and I suppose that kind of feeds quite nicely into the next question. In 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 sort of roles where be it a sort of AML focused role or perhaps even a VAU focused role where there is that sort of to a certain extent repetitive nature of a role, what what strategy strategies do you use to motivate your team and keep them engaged in their work? You know, that's that's interesting because um one of the changes that I've noticed um, as I've been recruiting and, and also with with you, Dan, is that the days of the very broad remit that you could have recruited for, it, it's, it's much harder to recruit for that. And I think maybe the expectation is too great. There's a particular level where you need to be able to see a lot and know most of it, but you, you can't know it all. I Data protection is something I... I know less about. I have a DPO in my team, and, and there is where the skill sits. I can spot issues. But um, you, below that sort of level where you need that particularly holistic approach, I, it's starting to become a bigger ask 
that you expect everyone to know everything. And so um, I, I, I might have disagreed with the premise of the question about the, the sort of the, end, the the repetition in a particularly confined area. Um, now we're moving to a place where that depth of expertise and knowledge in a a relatively confined area seems to be growing, and, and recruiting on that basis seems to be an easier win. So, so actually, we're now in a place where you just say, well, you know, I can't expect the breadth I previously could have used to keep you interested, if you like, mm-hmm. um, provided you with opportunity of, well, I, you might have thought that was a bit dull. Look at this. This is this is something different you won't have encountered before. There is kind of more certainty, more limited parameters. But I wouldn't say they were limited parameters because, of course, there is depth now. There's mm-hmm. subject matter expertise. There's opportunities to grow as a as a knowledge expert, um, maybe in a in in a way that wasn't quite there. But there is still that breadth. There's seeing within within a risk team that covers a lot. There's still a chance to see what's going on. Um, to see change, um, to see objectives being delivered, to report, you know, to, to see the metrics work in your favour um, mm-hmm. and to to engage with your peers in an ever better way and see the value that, that, that you deliver. But it, it will be horses for courses. When I first started out War Story, one of the things that, that, that drove me into risk was um, I really, really loved working with my colleagues and I helped a particular colleague of mine whose uh, who's client had wrongly tried to drop them in it and it led to an appearance before a judge and, and the judge found that basically the client was at fault. And the relief that was there on my colleague's face was noticeable. It, it had been a tremendous burden. And, and we do that, we, we can resolve claims, complaints, we can take the pressure away from people. That's one of the great satisfactions. And just the job itself can motivate. Mm-hmm job itself can motivate simply from the amount of things that there are to do and the pressures that they bring. But I think putting then that in a context of, well, this is what we're doing now. This is what we can be doing in a while. Here's how we can be a high-performing team. You know, We can be market-leading in this particular way. And giving people some buy-in to that um, does help. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd said before, you know, I've, I've been very lucky with my mm-hmm. team. In terms of them motivating themselves, I am equally very lucky in that regard. But that's not to say there isn't management. There's plenty of management to do. Who does what when? Who's encountering a bit of a, a, a difficulty? You know, the things you see in supervision, the pastoral support. If you like people, you know, you you will love the job. But you'll see there's always going to be things you can help and manage with without being intrusive. Just help people on their way and to to see them grow. That's um, you know, offering that to people is one of the ways you can motivate. Brilliant, brilliant. And I, I think that, that that's some very sound advice, I think, for for candidates. Because I think we, we do hear people speak about wanting a broader role all the time. And I think when you're focusing sort of externally, it, it's quite easy to forget what you've got in your current role. And I think perhaps focusing on the, the depth is a very good way to do it. Because I, I imagine as, as everything is becoming more professionalized, more specialized, um, so the depth of knowledge is, is is needed for sure. Yeah. So it's actually that's an interesting lead into something I know you're you're also um, keen to hear from me on Dan, and that's uh, if you're setting off in in this profession, we call it a risk management profession. If you're setting off, what what tips could I give? What am I looking for? Um, 
And that increasing specialization also lends itself to a, a word of advice, which is you can't know everything and I'm not looking for you to know everything. Certainly know um, a good deal about some things and certainly have a passion to want to learn more and, and holistic risk management, or is it sometimes called enterprise risk management, just knowing about the whole, you know, knowing that if you poke a balloon here, it can have an impact over there. That's really key, but you, it, it, it doesn't persuade if you are saying, well, I'm, I'm really interested in everything and I know everything. It, it's, you can't, it's not possible nowadays. Um, but issue spotting is key, you know, and, and being a light with not simply sticking within the answer that you've got and accepting that, but you know, the times that you get a question, which is about X, but what you've detected is there's another issue there, which is Y, and being able to explore that and, and answer the question that, that may subconsciously be there in the party um, who's asking you the question, or they might not have even thought about it at all. That's part of the risk manager's skill. Um, you're never going to be bored if you set off uh, as a risk manager, um, and you may frequently be pressured. Um, it is not an easy option, um, but it's never dull. There is always something new. There's always some challenge to respond to, you know. And, and it's because firms are growing and doing new work, and the rules, the regulatory landscape, as we said right at the start, isn't changing. Um, but just be really keen on getting into that, um, and have a sense of humour as well. Mm -hmm. It does, yeah. The what? <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, I think I think that an enthusiasm point, and I, it, it's it's one of the key things I, I, I speak with candidates about all the time. And I think particularly in this day and age, when a lot of interviews are done remotely or they're by Zoom or Teams or whatever it might be, that can be very difficult to convey. But I think the reality is that there's two or three people who are identical on paper. If the one is just a little bit more enthusiastic and eager, they tend to do a little bit better. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think also your, your point around not knowing everything. Um, I, th I think it was Amos Sasaba from Simmons and Simmons who, who, who kind of wanted that to push that across to candidates that it's it's not about knowing everything and it's okay not to know everything. The, the key is to be able to demonstrate the, the interest in a particular area and the want and desire to grow in that area. That's right. And I think as well, it's interest in the people that you're working with and the business you're working with, mm -hmm. um, the, the the tales, if not jokes, a legion of risk teams being the business prevention unit and the team that likes to say no. Mm -hmm. And actually, you want to work with people so that they can they can do what they want to do and they can deliver the best service for clients. You know, we are there to support, um, but we want to keep safe as well. And so, you know, you want to protect the firm, but. Um, a simple, the rules say no, without thinking, well, is there a solution here? Is there a way around that? Um, you know, can I add value by, as, as, as any lawyer does, you know, there's a tricky, tricky thing to deal with. The rules seem to suggest we can't do it. Is there a way that legitimately we can find a way through to keep safe, to do the right thing, but also do what we want to do um, in our jobs as well? You know, that's, that's the help you can deliver. And by being interested, in who is there and, and who you're working with um, is is a large part of the battle. And your point about, you know, two candidates on paper, there's a further thing about paper. People can look great on paper. This isn't just about risk, but just something I've seen 
and well, mm-hmm. people with seemingly lots of experience on paper, but you know we've all done lots of things. But you really know about it, and that's that's what you can elicit from a face-to-face interview. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And and, and Matt, I suppose once somebody's in the space, I think naturally because there are a lot more roles there are a lot more opportunities but equally there's a lot more candidates now so i think the space in itself has become a lot more competitive and i think sort of buzzwords that get thrown around or that firms want to see commitment to the space and and things like that but i suppose how do candidates actually demonstrate their commitment to compliance is it about building a personal brand online is it doing additional courses what would your advice be on that um I've noticed uh, a change um, in that uh, a few years ago when recruiting, um, certainly outside London, is sometimes you you don't get people with a vast array of risk and compliance knowledge. Now, that's changed, so we can start asking and expect more knowledge about risk and compliance. Um, not entirely flippantly, I'd hesitate necessarily to, to overdo the commitment to compliance. We all want to do the right thing, but if you are heavily committed to compliance, th- there is a risk you look a bit like odd kid, Harry Anfield. <laughs> um, and, and it's a little bit unbelievable. Obviously, you want to be doing the right thing and you have to have knowledge about compliance and you want to help a firm to, to deliver it. But it's in terms of of, of brand and personal brand, oh, people can can have reputations, but I, I've not felt in recruiting quite at the stage where there are you know known brilliant risk management people, I, and that may be entirely unfair to a whole cohort of people. But it, it's there isn't a Chambers and Partners or a Legal Five Hundred out there that, that there isn't quite the same discussion amongst clients about brilliant risk managers because of course it doesn't exist like that it's it's firms mm-hmm. work their own people but um certainly what you what i can glean from uh linkedin in particular is 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 some thought some interest that can bolster the sense that this is someone who knows something about their area and it's someone who has a real enthusiasm for what they're doing but it's not a recipe, you know. Don't feel that if if you don't go on LinkedIn and have a tremendous persona for yourself, you aren't going to get a job. You are because fundamentally, it's going to come down to first what is on the paper of your CV and then how you perform in an interview. Other things like brand, uh, market presence, if you like, um, aren't as well developed um, and don't have as big an impact. But don't don't get me wrong; they could really swing it. But there's not lots and lots and lots of that. But I, I think the better thing is 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 focusing on on you rather than what's seen about you out there. And you're right, it is competitive, but but the real competition comes when across my desk I see a CV and then I see some candidates face to face. So the the whole idea you can have whatever profile you like, but if the if the skill set's not there to back it up, then you'll fall short essentially. Yes. One thing I would say uh, um, from from conversations I've had with with my peers um, and experiences I have had is um, it may seem like obvious advice. Uh, it is great to have a great social media presence. Um, it is not great to have not 
a good presence. And by that, I mean, be careful. And um, people do look at what's there. Um, and I know of some recruitment that someone who face-to-face has seen great, and then you can see things on social media that don't look quite as palatable. And bearing in mind that while we do not expect to be hiring angels, nevertheless, if there is any area where you have to be whiter than white, it's in risk management. Um, you do need a level of care, though, uh, as to what is said about you on social media. I realize that's an obvious point, but um, mm-hmm. I was surprised by one tale um, I encountered, uh, which led to someone not getting a job. Okay. Okay. Well, perhaps not not the time and place in the podcast, but perhaps I'll pick your brain on that at some other point. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> um, brilliant, Matt. I suppose just moving on to our, our final question, um, predictions for for the, the months and years ahead. How do you see the, the, regulatory, the regulatory landscape changing and what do we have, what do we have in store? Well, um, who knows? The SRA may, you know, no longer be in a cube, but an inverted pyramid for maybe just one rule from the SRA, which is don't get it wrong. Um, risk risk teams may always like to say yes. Um, they may be happy worlds for people, but um, actually, to be a bit more serious about it, um, there's just going to be more. There is. It goes full circle to what I've said at the start. It's not going away. Um, and as risk teams look to be seen more at providing value, um, you know, there is more skill they can deliver for a business. Um, we're going to see more in AML. I can see we can see more um, extracurricular impact from the SRA um, as I've set it out. Uh, and we see with, um, w- with the non-bullying and non-harassment, uh, well-being um, and a not quite fit as to practice, but things like that. I can see more work to be done there. <clears throat> I can see much more work in procurement, supply chain management, um, and the impact of ESG upon that. Um, and I can see greater dilemmas. Uh, I can see challenges with firms having to contemplate, you know, is this the right kind of client? Um, hitherto, it would have been, but but what about generation X, Y, Z, Alpha, um, and and the talent market. You know, if we choose X client, is that going to be problematic um, for recruiting and retaining talent? So it ain't going to go away. Um, can I predict what's going to happen in the next year? No, I can't. You wouldn't believe um, if I claimed <laughs> I did. Um, but um, I think we can be assured it's not going to lessen. And my bet is it's going to go um, the other way. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Matt. No, that's been very, very insightful. And I've thoroughly Pleasure. enjoyed it. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Certainly some good insights there that I'm, I'm sure a lot of our guests will be able to to utilize in their in their quest to progress their career. Um, but thank you very much for your time. It's been great to catch up and, and yeah, all the best. All right. Thanks a lot. Speak soon, Dan.